Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much, O Lord, for this time we are about to have with you, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that would be out there today, O Lord God. Touch them, I pray, and speak to them in your own special way. I pray, Heavenly Father God, that you open their eyes that they may see, open their ears that they may hear, and open their hearts that they may understand your words, O Lord. We praise you, Lord God. We worship you. We magnify you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Praise God again. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Glad you could join us. I just want to start off by saying how many how many of us from time to time have wondered, what is God's will for my life? You know, all of us have entertained that thought many, many times, I'm sure, over the many years. And uh, you think about what is your purpose in, in life and uh, what's God's will for me? You know, what am I doing? What am I putting here for? And so forth. Uh, how many feel like sometimes that you're on the track to something, but you feel uncertain? You know, sometimes we feel like, well, yeah, God's talking to me, and I think this is where maybe God wants me to go. And I know there's something else out there for me, but I'm not sure what it is. What is God's will? You know, we feel like we have a purpose, you know, and more than than, than what we, we are doing now. You know, sometimes, yeah, I mean, I have a great job and Lord, but, but I, I think there's something else that I should be doing. I, I feel this pulling. I feel this calling. There must be something else out there. Okay, is it something that's involving another person? Is it something involving a loved one? I don't know, Lord, you wind up thinking to yourself, but what, what is your will for me? You know? Well, first of all, we have to start by committing our lives to God. You know, if we want to know what God's will is for us, we have to start by committing our lives to him. You know? And that's what this message is all about. What is God's will for my life? Okay, and and we really want to know. You know, I know I have a purpose. I'm a born again believer. I know what the word of God says. But God, I still don't see the writing on the wall, so to speak. You know, what is it that you want me to do? But it starts with, first of us, us committing to God. It starts with accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you haven't made that commitment to the Lord, if you haven't asked Jesus to come into your life and so forth, then you're not going to really know the will of God, okay? Because he's not going to really, he needs you to, to accept him and, of course, to accept his son as your Lord and Savior, okay? And then if you really, really, really want to put your life in God's hands and commit to him, that's where it, where it starts. An important commitment is to want to do God's will. You have to desire it, okay? You have to really be starting out by saying, Lord, I want to do your will. Before you can start asking, what's your will for my life, Lord? You've got to commit yourself saying, I want to do God's uh, will, okay? We can't be doing God's will also if we're constantly worrying about others and what's happening around us. You've got so much going on in the world today, maybe in your location, your particular locale, your, your county, your district, or wherever it is that you may be living. There's so much that is going on there that is wrong, okay? And we, we, can't, we can't keep focusing on that because then we spend more time focusing on what's wrong in the world and what's going on around us than focusing on what it is that God wants me to do with my life, what his, what his will is. If we're worrying and if we're stressing out, we can't hear what God is telling us, okay? If every time you turn on the news or the TV or pick up a newspaper or go online and look at something there and you see something else that's disastrous or something that's really just a royal pain and you wind up dwelling on that, then you can't hear God that is speaking to you and maybe telling you what it is that he wants you to do, okay? So we can't be constantly in a state of worry and, and anxiety, okay? So with that, why don't we go to Psalm 37, verse number one. Psalm 37, verse number one. I'm going to read some familiar scriptures here. Okay. 
Good time to say now that if you don't have your Bible, hit pause, go and get your Bible, maybe a pencil or paper, something to write on, something to write with, a yellow high, highlighter or something to highlight and mark in your Bible. It's important that you have these scriptures for future reference, especially if you're trying to seek God's will uh, for you. Okay, You need to be able to reference these scriptures uh, at a later date. As Holy Spirit so guides. Okay, 37, verse number one. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Okay, so right away it's saying that don't be worrying about evil do the evil doers. Okay, we see so much going on in the wrong in the country in the wrong today. You know, in in the world for that matter, we see so much going wrong, and and we can't be saying, well, gee, was why are they getting away with that? Why is that person getting away with that? You, you, know, you know, they're always saying do this, but then yet still they don't do it themselves. Okay, okay, don't listen to what I say. Don't listen to what I do. Just listen to what I say. Okay, and they're trying to run your life. Don't worry about it. They, they're not getting away from it with it, anything. God is in charge. God knows exactly what they're doing. And these evil doers, like you said, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass. Right, those that are doing evil, they will. They, God will deal with them. So we can't spend our lives worrying about them, okay, because then we can't hear what God is telling us and what God might have in store for us and what he wants us to do. It then goes on to say, Trust in the Lord and do good, okay? Trust in the Lord, underline that word trust. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. You'll be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Have some joy in the Lord. Underline, delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, put a highlight for all of verse number five there, because it says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Okay, now, to commit to something means that I am giving it over to you. Okay, I am giving my way or my life over to you. Okay, commit means that I'm totally washing my hands of my trying to do it or my trying to take care of my life, I'm going to commit it to you. If you commit someone, you know, to a, to a facility, you know, for medical care or for mental care or something, it's because of the fact that you cannot care for that person yourself. If you commit them, you're saying, I'm committing them into your hands. You know, I'm committing their well-being into you because I know that you are professionally trained or you have the wherewithal, you have the facilities and so on to care for this person. So I'm committing them to you. That's what we need to do with the Lord. I don't have the facilities to care for myself. I don't have the facilities to take care of my, my future Lord. So therefore, I'm committing my life to you. Okay. These are all steps towards you finding out what God's will is for your life. Okay. So first you have to commit it to him. He shall bring uh, forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Underline that. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who bring wicked, wicked devices to pass. Okay. Sometimes we'll see our next door neighbor or someone on the job, maybe that, that, that is not a believer. You know, maybe they, they outwardly speak against God, but yet still they seem to be prospering. Okay. They wind up getting their promotions. They wind up getting the boat, you know, the, the, the third or fourth uh, house, maybe, or fancy cars. They seem to be prospering and whatnot. God says, don't worry about them. Okay. He tells us to rest in the Lord and you wait patiently for him. 
Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the men who bring wicked devices to pass. Right. So, so don't be envious of anyone that is around you, anyone that you know, anyone that you see on TV, for that matter, that is getting away what seems to be like he's getting away with murder, so to speak. Yes, so he seems to be prospering. Don't worry about that. We need to just rest in the Lord, commit our way to him, and then trust in the Lord. Okay. These are the first steps in going towards saying, okay, Lord, I would love for you to tell me, reveal to me what is your will for my life. You cannot get there until we wind up taking these steps. Understanding God's will is key. Go to Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 7. Oops. Matthew. Let's do this again. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Therefore, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, whoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a a, a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Please underline, for it was founded upon a rock. It had a stable, strong, a steady foundation. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, underline doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the stand, sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Okay. When I see that scripture there, that verse that it says uh, um, that was built on the, on the sand, you know, and, 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 it, uh, where, and everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be like a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and, the wind, and it fell. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach. And I remember going to the beach when I was a kid and everything and you'd stand there at, at the shoreline and as the wave came in and as it washed back out, okay, and the, say like the water was around, around you know, ankle depth, ankle depth there. And as the water went back out, the sand underneath your feet would wash back out with the water, okay? The sand would wash back out with the water. And as that sand under your foot washed out, you became unstable, okay? You became unstable. The sand that was under your foot, as it washed out from underfoot, you became unstable and unbalanced, okay? So this is what this is saying here in essence, okay? The man that built his house on sand, okay, when, when troubles came and everything, the man who built his life, you know, not on a strong rock foundation, the foundation, the rock of being Jesus Christ. If someone builds their life on, 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 on sand, you know, a real shaky foundation, then when troubles in life come along, that person does not stand up, okay? They, they collapse. Their life falls apart. But if we build our lives on a strong, rocky foundation, Jesus Christ, okay, then when the winds of life and the turmoil of life comes up, the house stands, we stand, our lives stand, 
Okay, all right, all right. So this is what Jesus is saying there. Okay, and he's saying that, that not everyone in the beginning, 21, not everyone that, that said to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my father. Okay, so here it's talking about the will. Underline that word will, does the will of my father. So in other, for, in other words, for us to, to, to do his will and to do God's will, we have to know what God's will is and we have to do it. So before we start asking God, what's your will for my life? First of all, let me know what your will is generically, so to speak. Let me make sure that I'm following in line with your word. Okay, so my father is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in thy name. We cast out devils in thy name, done many wonderful works. Lord, Lord, I go to church. I went to church. I was on the deacon's board. Okay, I was on the healing committee. We prayed for people and we did this and we did that. Okay, all right. Okay, it says to me and, and cast out, did many wonderful works. And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Jesus said, depart from me. You that work iniquity. So it's it, so he's saying that there's something more than us just putting on uh, a, a good moral show. Okay, we can't just be quote unquote a good person. That's not enough. That's not enough. We can't go saying, well, well, I give and I'm active in this and I do that and I do this. Okay, but there's certainly if we're not doing God's will and doing Jesus' words here, who which are the Father's words and the Father's will, then Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you to depart from me. Okay. 24, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, and if you do them, so you hear Jesus' words, and if you do them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Okay? So we have to hear Jesus' words, which are the words of the Father, and we have to make sure that we're doing them. That's what he's saying here. Okay? And if we're not doing them, don't be calling him Lord, Lord, okay, and all of that stuff. Everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into, the, into heaven. Not everyone. Okay? But he that doeth the will of my Father. So we have to make sure now that we know what God's will is and that we actually do it. Because then if we're doing God's will, carrying out his will, then we're building our lives on a solid foundation, Jesus Christ. We're building our lives on a solid foundation and we will be able to stand, okay, when the adversities of life come our way, okay, when the winds of life start blowing. Our house, we will be able to stand and we will be able to survive, okay? All right, so that's what we have to start doing, making sure that we're doing God's will. If you believe and call Jesus Lord, Lord, you are still lost if you do not do what God says because you're not following his will. So how can you expect to know God's will for you if you're not following, you specifically, if you're not following God's will? You're not following his word. If we ever hope to be really, really victorious in this life, we must want to do the will of the Father. It has to be a desire. It has to be an intent. It has to be a goal. Okay? It has to be our objective in life. To make sure that we're doing the will of the Father, not your will or someone else's, but the will of the Father. We all know that there's blessings out there. We all know that there's blessings. But what about some really, really astonishing, mind-blowing, miraculous blessings that God wants to send your way? Okay? Maybe you've had some blessings. You know how wonderful God can be. God is an awesome God. He gets us out of all sorts of situations. He blesses us in many ways. He blesses us sometimes with things that we're not even expecting. But what about some real earth-shattering, mind-blowing blessings? God has some big things planned for you, and he wants them to come your way. But he won't do that if we're not doing his will, okay? Maybe what you've experienced so far is just kind of scratching the surface for what can be happening in your life. And if you are inquiring and asking of yourself and asking of God, God, what is my purpose 
What is your will for me personally? What is your will for me? If you are asking that question, you're on the right track. You're on the right track, Saint. And God is sitting back there, and I'm sure he's pleased when all of a sudden you've done some, some soul searching. And, 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 and you, you, see, you see, that feeling that you have that God wants you to do something else, that's Holy Spirit calling you. That's Holy Spirit wooing you, I always like to say. Okay, he's calling to you, he's calling to you, there's something else that I want you to do. Okay, so the very fact that you're, you're questioning and you want to know and you're feeling you're recognizing the feeling that, that God has something bigger for me to do or that there's, I, I know there's something else here because I kind of feel it, you know. I feel the urgency. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And it's time now for you to do some more introspection, okay? Do some more searching and, and, and talking with God. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get more to the particulars as this message continues, but, but, but that's a good thing. There could be a problem that seems to be insurmountable for you right now. There could be something going on in your life that's in, that's insurmountable. It seems to be insurmountable. Could be dealing with your job, your personal life, a relationship, maybe a family member. Dealing with your house, maybe you need a house, maybe you, you need to buy another house, uh, you know, and maybe you need to, to expand or something, or maybe you are always living in a big house and you need to downsize, but yet, yet still right now it's something that seems to be out of your reach. Okay. It could be something dealing with, with, with a family member or some family members. It could be your child or daughter that is starting to, to grow up now, entering into their early teen years, and you're concerned because of the way the school systems are going. Maybe you're worried about getting your child out of the current school system and getting them into, into a more conservative or Christian school, school where they're not going to be exposed to all of, the, all of the stuff that seems to be going on these days in public schooling. They're really trying to attack the kids, the youth these days. They're putting all sorts of subject matter out there that has nothing to do with reading and writing and education and learning. So maybe right now that seems insurmountable. Okay? But God wants you to know that he's there. Any situation that seems impossible to you is not impossible uh, for God. So maybe the fact that you're starting to question, Lord, what do you want me to do? This is a good thing because God is calling you. God is calling out to you. When we are doing God's will, the possibilities are limitless, saint. All right? You're doing God's will, possibility, impossibilities, or the possibilities, I should say, are limitless. Okay? The sky is the limit when it comes down to God. Okay? And you have to always, always remember that. God's will is the only way, not the will of men, not the will of a relative, not the will of someone on your job, not the will of, of a neighbor or someone that you know. God's will is what really, really counts. It's the only way. Not our own will, but God's will. Just because we call Jesus our Lord, this will not just save us. Okay? All right? Well, the word of God says that if you call on Jesus, you accept him as Lord and Savior. Yes, but we need to make sure that we're doing his will after we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I mean, he is the answer to salvation. Don't get me wrong there. He is the answer to salvation. He's the only way to salvation. But after we do that, we have to make sure that we're, we're still we're following God's will. Okay. What does it say there in verse 21? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So Jesus is trying to separate those that simply call him Lord. They call him Lord, but then they don't do the will of the Father. He makes a distinction that there's a difference. So we have to make sure we're doing God's will. 
We learn from the above scripture that we just read that we don't go to heaven by doing the will of men or by doing what we think is right. We can't go by what we think is the right thing to do. God has very carefully over the millennia laid out his word, laid out his will, laid out his way of life, his plans for us, how he wants us to walk our lives. And it's, it's in this thing that we're looking at that's called the Bible. The only way that we can go to heaven is by accepting Jesus and doing the will of the Father. And that will is found right here in our Bibles. Do we really know what the will of the Father is? Do we really, really know? We read the Bible, you know, from cover to cover. I've known people that have read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And then in talking with them and, and seeing their lives roll out before them and so forth like that, it's very, very clear that they've read the Bible, but they're not doing God's will. Okay? Because we can read the Holy Bible, but if we're not reading the Holy Bible here with Holy Spirit revelation, then we don't know what God's will is. You can read Gone with the Wind or Mind Kampf or some other book, you know, you, you know, you know, some other classic, you can read that, Tale of Two Cities. All right? But that's not, that does not have Holy Spirit revelation in it that has to be uh, uh, revealed to you so that you understand the words of the Bible. You can't read the Bible without Holy Spirit revelation. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Reading the Bible is a lot different from reading just a regular book. You want to do God's will, you have to understand what his word is saying. So again, I say, do you really know what the will of the Father is? This is too important a matter to just assume that we do or take someone else's word for it. You know, this is why every time I do one of these messages or you hear Genesis 1 message, we always mention, we say, now may be a good time to pause and go get your Bible because I don't want you taking my word, word or what you hear me saying, just taking it as my word. I want you to see it, read it for yourself so you can see what God is saying. Okay. Don't listen to me. Listen to God. That's what's important. You need to be able to see and to know firsthand what God is talking about in his word so that you can grasp and understand it. So the Holy Spirit can minister to you, witness to you as you're reading. As you're reading this word, you know, the wonderful thing is as you're reading this word, Holy Spirit will pop up inside within there and just just speak to you. See that verse, my son? See that chapter? This is what I'm telling you, my son. This is what I'm t showing to you, my daughter. This is the answer to your worry. This is the answer to your concern. Okay. This is what Holy Spirit will reveal to you when you're reading the Word of God. Because reading the Word of God is, is coming to understand God's will. So that's what I say. Do we really know what the Bible says? Go to John 6, verse 22. John 6. Six, verse 22. The day following, when the people who stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereunto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone, howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread, after that the Lord had given thanks when the people therefore showed that Jesus, saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. So they went to Capernaum. He wasn't there, so they went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, 
when camest thou thither? Or when camest thou here? Jesus answered them and said, verily, verily. Remember that said, when you see verily, verily, here comes a dynamite truth. Jesus answered them and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw miracles, but because you did eat the, eat the loaves and were filled. <laughs> so he's saying, you didn't come after, after me looking for me, looking for blessings or looking to be touched or looking to hear the words. You came after me because you were fed before. You came looking for food, in other words. Okay? You came looking for food. You didn't come here really, really seeking God. Okay? Do we seek God because we're really wanting some revelation knowledge from him? Or we really want to be, to, to be led by him or advised by him? Or do we come to God simply, simply, you know, to get something, so to speak? Something very, very surface. You know? You, you know? I need a new pair of shoes. Give me a new pair of shoes, God, but I don't want to hear anything else. I don't want to know anything else. Just give me the pair of shoes. Okay? You came because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures into everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. All right? So he's saying here, Jesus is saying, so there's something much deeper than what you're looking for. He said, you come here looking for the meat, so to speak. You're looking for meat. But what you, what you should be working for is labor not for the meat which perishes. In other words, you get your belly full today, but then that's gone. Material things you strive for, you get them, and then they're gone. We should be striving for is but for that meat that endures into everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him that God the Father sealed. Okay, so what we should be striving for, in other words, is to learn the deeper things of God, not just to, to desire the, the real surface things, you know. We should be desiring the things that, 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 that do not perish, that do not pass away. You get filled to the belly, eventually you're hungry again. Okay? You get filled by the word of God, you're getting everlasting sustenance. You're getting everlasting sustenance, which goes into eternity. This is the point that Jesus is making here. And they say, well, what is it that we shall do that we might work the works of, of God? Jesus said unto them, this is the work of God. You believe on him whom he hath sent me. They said, therefore unto him, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? So what do you do? What sign can you give us? Our fathers did, did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father gave you the bread, the true bread from heaven. Okay? So that thing that you got in the, in the wilderness there, okay, Moses didn't give that to you. God supplied that. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which come down from heaven and gives life unto the world. Now he's talking about himself here. He's the bread from heaven. Jesus is referred to, you may know, is referred to as the bread of life. Okay? All right? Okay. So, so he, and, 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 and incidentally too, just as a side point here, he, he was born in Bethlehem. And the translation is that of that is house of bread. Okay? So Jesus is the bread of life. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. Okay? So you want eternal sustenance. You want, you want to, 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 to not be thirsty, to, to not be hungry. Jesus is the answer for that. Okay? 
Jesus can provide all of the sustenance that we need in this life and into the everlasting life, into eternal life. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will. Here we are. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that all of which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. Okay? This is the will of him who sent me, talking about God the Father. This is the will we need to make sure, you know, that we're following and that we're answering to. You want to know God's will for you specifically? First of all, what is God's will in general, if you will? Okay, okay. The, the, the will of the Father is of him that sent me. Everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came now from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Okay. This is a neighborhood kid. I know the mother and father. How can he be saying that he came down from heaven? See, unbelief setting in right away. Okay. Just because they knew him. Well, I know that boy. I remember when he was little. He played around the block here and he did this and he did that. I know his mom and dad. How can he be saying that he come down from heaven? Jesus answered, verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not among yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay? Underline all of that. Verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and you came to Jesus, and you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, it's because the Father was drawing you. Okay? No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. So that means God's been drawing you all along. He's been pulling you. He's been calling because he's got something for you. He not only wants you to accept his son as Lord and Savior, but he's got plans for you. He's got plans for you. He's got plans for you that which were set from the foundation of the earth, as the word of God says. Okay? Ready? So, so, so he was the one that called you. You think you came to the Lord on your own accord? Well, you know, maybe you finally gave in. You finally surrendered. Maybe your back was up against the wall. That happens sometimes with some of us. You know, you know, you know, you know maybe it wasn't that. Maybe your life didn't get that bad and that, that rough where, where you just had, you came kicking and screaming to the Lord. But in either case, the Lord was the one that was calling you, that was drawing you. Okay. And that was being done through his Holy Spirit. At the time, you may not have realized it. At the time that you came to the Lord, you probably didn't know, you know, maybe you knew, but a lot of times, you know, we don't know the reason why. All we know is that we need Jesus. Right. And you finally gave in. Okay. Well, God's calling you again. That's why you're listening to this message. God's calling you again. That's why you have this, this feeling in your gut, this feeling in your spirit that the Lord has something else that he wants me to do. That there's a, that, that there's an unknown, a so far unknown will for my life. Unknown God's will for my life. And I want to know what that is. That's that drawing. That's that calling that you're feeling. That's why you're curious and that's why you want to know. Okay? 
It is written in the prophets and that they shall be, be all taught of God. Verse 45. It is written in the prophets and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me has everlasting life. You believe on Jesus and you have everlasting life. Okay? You have everlasting life. Now, that's been, that's been guaranteed you. Okay, he that believes on me has everlasting life. The interesting thing to note is that God's plan for us, once we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, is not only a wonderful, blissful, everlasting life, but he wants you to live a blissful, happy, joyful life while you're on this earth. Being a Christian isn't only about the pie in the sky, so to speak, and everlasting life into eternity. It's about the here and now. God wants you to be victorious now. God wants you to be on top now. God wants you to not be suffering now. God wants you to be blessed now while you're on this earth. So the question is, God, what is your will for my life then? Okay. I'm kind of struggling right now, Lord. I'm kind of struggling. Where is it that I'm going? I accepted Jesus as Lord. Where is it that I'm going, Lord? What do you want me to do? Okay. So God not only wants you to have, you know, eternal life, which of course will be a wonderful thing, but while we're here on earth, what is it that God wants me to do? He says in verse 48, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Okay. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up for the, at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eats bread, eats, eats of this bread, shall live forever. Okay? So here we have a whole lot here to chew on. It's God's will that we should know Jesus, that we should, we should, we should commit our lives and we should accept him because God the Father sent him. Okay. So that's according to God's written word. So the question is that I say to you today then is, do you really believe in Jesus Christ? And if you do, how much do you really trust him to show you his will for your life? Okay. If you really believe in Jesus, how much do you trust that he will indeed show you his will for your life? Okay. Right. He's the bread of life. Okay. We're guaranteed if you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, you're guaranteed eternal life. But now what about here and now? He wants you to also be uh, victorious here, be living a good life here. Now, this is God's will for us as his children. But what is God's will specifically for me? That's the question at hand. Okay. Everything that we've read so far is God's will for us as his children, as a follower. Okay. But now, down specifically, what is God's will for me? God has given you a gift. 
There is something in life that you're good at. Okay. There's something in life that you're good at doing. God has given you that gift. Sometimes we call it a talent, maybe. You're not only good at it, but you enjoy doing it. You enjoy being involved in it. Okay. Some like to read. Some like to play the piano. You know. Some like to paint, whatever it may be. Some like to be involved in sports. You may be good at it. God's given you a gift for that particular quote-unquote talent. But the question I ask you is, is God wanting you to use that talent or that gift for his glory? Okay. Does God want you to use that thing that you're good at for his glory? And, you know, I love music and I've always wished that I could play the piano. You know, I had a younger brother that any, almost any instrument he could pick up, he could, he could play it. You know, saxophone, French horn, trombone. He had several instruments, piano. You know, my mom was a professional music teacher and everything. And uh, I, I learned classical piano and so on. But I was, I was never good at it. I was never good at it. And, and I wish that if I could be good at it, how could I use it to glorify God? How could I use it to glorify God? It's something that you're good at, and it's a talent. Is that talent or that gift, is it being used to glorify God? Do you want to use it to glorify God? As we seek God's will, we should make sure that what we are considering is not something that the Bible forbids. Okay? As you're seeking God's will, you need to be considering what you're considering. Is it, is it something that the Bible forbids? Because it's possible. For example, the Bible forbids stealing. We know that it is not God's will for us to be bank robbers. So we don't even have to pray about that. I mean, that's a, that's a non-starter. Okay? You know the Bible, God, you know God's position on stealing, so you know you're not going to want to be a, be a bank robber. It's not God's will for you to be a bank robber. Also, we should make sure that what we are considering will glorify God, as I said before, and will help us and others to grow spiritually. This thing that you may be feeling something in your belly that you feel like you're, you're drawn to and you're wondering, maybe this is God's will for my life. You know, will this, will, will this draw, will this, this thing that's pulling you, you know, will it, it grow you spiritually and will it grow others that you come in contact with? Will you grow them also spiritually? But what you're doing, glorify God or what you think that God is calling you to do, will it glorify God and will it help you to grow and help others to grow spiritually that come in contact with you? Knowing God's will is sometimes difficult because it requires patience. Sometimes it requires patience. Simple as that. So sometimes it can indeed be difficult. It's natural to want to know all of God's will at once, but that's not how it usually works. Now, while today we're sitting and listening to this message, you may be saying, oh, Lord, I want to know your will, and you're going to go to prayer, and you're thinking maybe when I come out of that prayer, I'll know what God's will is. Well, you may, and then you may not. Sometimes it requires patience. God seldom will time us, will tell us everything at once. That's not how he usually works. He reveals things to us step by step. He reveals things to us sometimes one step at a time. Each, each move is a step of faith, okay? As he reveals things to you step by step, you take each step by faith. God may say, this is what I want you to do. And you may not understand why he's saying to you to do that, but you take that step and you do it in faith. 
knowing and believing that this, this is Holy Spirit telling me to do this. You know, you feel it. You feel this unction in your belly that this is what I need to do. And so you take that step. God, like I said, God really will seldom times will give us the whole, the whole McGillan, one big ball of waxes. This is my will for your life. But he may give it to you in steps. And we have to take it step by step in faith. Step by step. And then allow yourself to continue to trust him. Okay. Okay, Lord, I took that first step. I trust you for the second one. What else do you want me to do? Lord gives you step number two. Okay, Lord, I took that second step. Okay. Now, what do you want me to do? Sometimes that's how God reveals things to you. You want to know his will for your life, then you have to receive his answer on his terms. The important thing is that as we wait for further direction, we're busy doing the good that we know uh, God wants us to do. Okay. And if you go to James 4.17, James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So as you're taking these steps, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you don't do it, God is saying here to him it is sin because you're being disobedient, you're being disobedient. So if you're out there and you really, 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 really want to know what God's will is for your life, you've heard the expression, be careful of what you ask for. You got to be ready now to go and take and do what God is going to tell you to do. Because now he's telling you directly what his will is specifically for you. Then for you not to carry that out, you're being disobedient to God. Therefore, you're getting into sin because you're being disobedient. All right. So you got to be real, real thoughtful here and prayerful and making sure where your heart is at. Do you really want to know God's will for your life? And are you prepared to do it? Whatever he shows you to do. All right. Oftentimes, we want God to give us specifics, where to work, where to live, whom to marry, what car to buy, etc. God allows us to make choices, and if we are yielded to him, he has ways of preventing wrong choices. Right? Sometimes we want to know every single specific thing, you know. And he, sometimes he'll give, us, give it to us generally, and sometimes it'll be more detailed. But when he does, then we then have a choice to make sure that we are yielding to him. God can't lay out to you, this is what he wants you to do, and then you don't yield to him and you don't do it. And God has ways of preventing us from making wrong choices, if we're really tuned in. Let's go to Acts 16, verse number 4. Acts 16, verse number 4. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, underline, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, Okay, you see, so before they were, in verses 4 and 5, they talk about how they were, were giving them instructions and so forth, and the churches and stuff were established in faith. They increased in number daily and whatnot. And then the next thing was that they wanted to go to Phrygia and the region of Galatia, but the Holy Spirit forbade them to go. All right? 
and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. So then they said, okay, after they were come to Mysia, they assayed to go into uh, Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not, underline, but the Spirit suffered them not. Okay, so they started to say, we're going to go here. Holy Spirit said, no. I said, okay, we're going to go there. The Holy Spirit said, no, don't go. Right? Then it says, verse 8, and they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we were endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Okay, so underline all of verse number 10. So God will give us choices. You're praying about God's will for us. God will, God, God will give us some choices and things like that. He'll, you do this and that. And then you, 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 you'll start to, you, you, or I, sh- I should say, you, you feel in your spirit perhaps that this is what God wants you to do. And the whole idea is that if you're feeling in your spirit this is what God wants you to do, you take the step in that, the, in that direction and you're saying, okay, Lord, I'm hearing you and I think you're telling me to go here. And if it's not where you should be going, Holy Spirit will top, stop you. All right. You go off someplace else, okay, Lord, I think you're telling me to go here. Holy Spirit will stop you, tell you, no, don't go there, don't do that. The whole thing here, based on these scriptures, is that in your seeking to know the will of God, and God will give you step by step, as you make the choice to take certain steps, if there's not the right one where he wants you to go, Holy Spirit will stop you. He'll tell you no. And we need to be tuned in enough to recognize Holy Spirit telling me, no, don't take that step. And then he will give you an indication. It may be through a a dream, maybe through a vision. It may be confirmation from someone else. It may be something you hear in a sermon, in a message. You know, some way God will give you the direction. And this is what I want you to do. And then when you take that step, you'll feel total confidence and you'll be at total peace that this is what God wants you to do. And this is where things will start materializing in your life because you're doing what God wants you to do. This is his will. So again, again, he'll reveal it to us step by step. Very rarely will he give us, drop us the whole bomb. This is my will for you and give you the whole picture for the rest of your life. But he will oftentimes, most of the times, he will tell us step by step. And we have to trust him for each step. Trust him after you take that step to reveal to you what the next step is. Okay. And he'll reveal them to you as you go. Where If you're going where he does not want you to go, Holy Spirit will certainly also to speak to you and let you know this is not where the Father wants you to go. The better we get to know a person in life, the more acquainted we become with his or her desires. This is true of anyone that we deal with, any other human being. For example, a child may look across a busy street when his ball runs across and bounced across the street there, but he doesn't run after it because he knows that my mom and dad wouldn't want me to do that because mom and dad has told him repeatedly that that it's unsafe. You can get hurt that way, okay? So the boy does not go after it or girl does not go after it. He doesn't have to run back and ask his mom or dad for advice on every particular situation. He knows what mom or dad would say because he knows them. Because he knows them. Okay? 
we all teach our children to cross streets. We tell them to look at the green light. You see, see it's red. Don't go. Don't chase a ball into the street. Don't do this. Don't do that. And children, when as they grow up, hopefully, hopefully they're, they're listening to to what you've been telling them, what you've been warning of them about, and they don't do it, even if you're not there. How do we let our children finally go off to school as they start growing up if we aren't comfortable with knowing that they know how to cross the street, they know certain things and whatever? I mean, of course, while they're still small, you still cross them across the street. But eventually, when a child gets 15 years old, you don't have to think that child does not know better than running out into the middle of the street because they know what you've told them all over the years. Well, so it is with God the Father. We have to make sure that we understand what he's been saying to us. That's the same relationship that we need to develop with God. Okay? We know what God the Father has told us, so therefore I don't have to run back every single time to, to say, should I do this or should I do that, in some, in some regard, because we start knowing what the will of the Father is. Again, robbing that bank. We don't have to go back and pray to God the Father, Lord, should I rob that bank? We know his answer on that. The answer is, of course, a resounding no. We know what his will is regarding bank robbery. It's theft. And God does not want us stealing. As we walk with the Lord, obeying his word and relying on his Holy Spirit, we find that we are given guidance by Holy Spirit more and more and more. Okay? And this is what will happen to you as you continue seeking God's will for your life. It's, it's a must. We know him, and that helps us to know his will. We find God's guidance readily available. Proverbs 11.5 says, The righteousness of the blameless makes their path straight, but the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. Okay? All right? Okay, so, so, so you know, you're righteous. You know, the, you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so you know what the will of God the Father is. So we don't take certain steps. We don't do things, you know, knowingly that are against God's will. And as we commit ourselves more and more to do that, then God will get more and more specific about what he wants you to do with your particular life. If we are walking closely with the Lord and truly desiring his will for our lives, God will place his desires in our hearts. That's how it begins to work. The key is wanting God's will, not our own. Psalm 37, 4, again, that we read before, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay. Delight yourself in the Lord. Okay. So that's where it starts. Committing ourselves to God committing ourselves to doing the will of the Father, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and, and committing our lives to him. Okay, this is where it starts. And then as you go along and you continue saying, Lord, I feel like, you're, like there's something else I should be doing. There's more I should be doing. Or there's a change of direction. Lord, what is your will for my life? He will reveal that will to you. He will reveal if you are sincere in your heart in asking that question and you're trying your darndest to do his will. You're really striving to do And you're in prayer, of course, regularly with him. All right. And you're seeking his guidance because you really want to know. And if you feel something in your heart that this is, I think, where God may be calling me to me to go and calling me to do. First of all, the question is what I'm feeling. Will it glorify God? OK, will I grow spiritually? Will I learn from the Lord more? Is this what God wants me to do? And Lord, if this is where you want me to go, if it's not, then you show me, stop, stop me, check me. And then this is, Lord, this is where I'm taking that first step. And if it isn't Holy Spirit guiding you to take that step, Holy Spirit will tell you to pull back. But God has a will for your life. Rest, rest assured of that. He has a will for, for your life. 
He wants you to grow. He wants you to grow. He wants you to glorify him in your life. He wants you to glorify him by what you do in your life. And he wants you to enjoy life. Because the more you enjoy life and the more you prosper, then when you tell somebody else about God the Father, you talk to people about Jesus Christ, you and them seeing you being a success and them seeing you being prosperous and whatnot, they will want to know your God. It's hard to do that if you're struggling. It's hard to do that. You can't be a good witness for the Lord if you're struggling and if you're not victorious too. Amen. Amen. So God has a way. God has a will for your life. Bank on it. Rest assured, he has a will for your life. And if you want to know it, then you just continue seeking him and continue doing what he alone tells you to do. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. And uh, if you please pass it on to others, we can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net. That's www.genesis1.sermon.net. You look at the top of the page and you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be automatically notified when these messages are available. Uh, we're still on YouTube, Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. And we still have our apps free of charge for Android and Apple devices. And the apps can be found at the respective um, Apple you know, Play stores and so forth. Um, download them. They're free of charge. Uh, pass them around. Uh, put them on your, your phones, on your tablets, and listen to them when you're in the car or when you're traveling or whatever. The whole idea is that we want the Word of God to cover the entire earth, cover the entire earth, amen, and uh, um, you can help us to do that. Again, just praise God, follow Him, ask Him for direction every single step of the way, and He will answer your prayers. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God, and now as we close and until we get together again next time, we pray that these words, O oh Lord God, will be deeply, deeply planted within our spirits, that they cannot be stolen away. That we shall always, O oh Lord God, seek your face to know your will for our lives, O oh Lord God. We only wish to serve you. We want to be obedient to your word, O oh Lord God. We want to do things with our lives that will glorify you and draw others to you, O oh Lord. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We just magnify thy name. We thank you for all things, both great and small. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Praise God, praise God. Go forth and be blessed. Remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. And always remember that Jesus is Lord. Here we are. Thank you, Lord. In your prayer.